Greetings and welcome to Simply Christ. My name is Mark Shepherd. This is your place when it comes to making Jesus Christ your master, learning to explore that spiritual realm and develop the spiritual life. If you have not subscribed, hit the subscribe button. Also, share this with your friends. Sorry we were not able to make a Friday weekender. I was traveling, and I just arrived to visit some family members and take care of some business, so I was not able to put one out this past Friday. Today, we are going to be discussing a very important concept in the life of a disciple, and that is the divine nature. It's very important because... It is the ultimate of all topics when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. It's the greatest thing, the greatest idea, the greatest uh, description, I guess you could call it, when it comes to making Jesus our master and living as a member of the light. It's going to be difficult to really put it into words because how do you define the divine nature? How do you define it? How do you describe it? How do you define divinity? I mean, we use words like God. We use words like Jesus. And we sign these physical attributes to them because that's all we really know is to define them in certain ways. And what I mean is we mention the word God. There's an image that comes into our mind. When we think of the word Jesus, we think of a certain image as well. Typically, we usually do. Yet the divine nature is something totally different. It's all-encompassing. It is, it's the spiritual life. It's like trying to define the spiritual life. When we talk about these topics, when we talk about these ideas, these concepts, they're very difficult. That's maybe why so many churches, so many preachers have a great difficulty in understanding it and trying to describe it. So, I don't want to come down hard because I don't even understand it all or am able to define it in the best way that it should be. Yet, it's something that we have to look at because it is not part of Christianity. It is Christianity. Let me repeat that. It's not part of being a Christian. It is about being a Christian. That's the entire definition. Let's look in the Aramaic scriptures here. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 as the one who has given all things which are of the divine power, with the life and an awesomeness of God by his teaching, who has called us into his glory and majesty, who has granted you by these great and precious declarations to be sharers of the divine nature when you flee from the corruption of desires which are in the world. Let me read that last part, that verse 4. Who has granted you by these great and precious declarations to be sharers of the divine nature. I want you to wrap your head around that statement for a moment. I want you to think for just one second here and let it wrap around. Let it soak in the divine nature. To partake, to be sharers in the divine nature. Do we really understand what that even means? Do we have any concept? Do we have any idea? Do we have any inkling of what Peter is describing here? He is describing something that is so otherworldish, that is so far out there that it's like trying to describe what's happening a billion light years 
from our planet on a, in a galaxy somewhere. We, we don't know. We, we can't describe these things. It, it's impossible to describe them. Yet, we are called to be sharers of that divine nature. But what is the divine nature? It's the nature of Christ. It's the nature of God. It's the nature of the Father. We're not called to just be people who go hear about the nature or people who try to describe the nature. We're not called to be people to go talk about the nature. We're called to be sharers of the divine nature. It's What it is is God telling us, here, here is my nature. I want you to be like this too. Now, think about that one for a second. God is asking you to be like him. We shouldn't be surprised because it's later on said by Peter, be holy as God is holy. So what he's saying he is in there in that section of verse of being holy as God is holy is be divine as God is divine. So it ties in together beautifully. But I don't think we understand the divine nature of what it even means. So many people are just so content and so worried, rather, I should say, that when they die, they're not going to go to the bad place of hell. I've talked to Christians before, many Christians who have told me, when I die, I sure hope God will have mercy on me and won't send me to hell. And, you know, I have to ask them, why do you believe that he would? And the answer I always get is, well, and they kind of hem and haw. They're kind of like, well, you know, I've done some things that aren't good. Well, are you following Christ? Well, yeah, but, but you know, I'm just, I don't know, God's going to, and that's because their entire idea, their mindset is wrapped around this idea that God is in heaven waiting to burn everybody in hell, and only some people are going to be rescued out of that. We, we have this Zeus, this Thor idea of God. We, we, we turn God into this angry parent who just wants to beat everybody and send them to hell. I, I don't know where we get that from. I, I just don't understand where we get that from. I guess it's because we've been taught. I was taught that way growing up. And it is so contrary. It is so opposite of what we're invited to do here in First Peter and Second Peter. Jesus, what Peter is telling us here is that Jesus wants us to partake in his nature. He's not asking us to be good so when we die, we don't go to hell. He's asking us to partake in his divine nature. He wants us to be like him. Ask yourself this. Are you like Christ? Are you wanting to be like Christ? Are you doing anything to be like Christ? Are you accepting the invitation to be a partaker of the divine nature? I still have difficulty even just even trying to understand that, to even appreciate it to the degree of which it needs to be appreciated. That God, the creator of this universe, you know, I'm, I'm putting together this this audio uh, in here in Florida visiting family. I'm, I'm sitting in the car doing this because it's the most quiet spot, okay? And I'm looking out the window, and it's just along the space coast here because where they launch rockets and so forth. And I see the moon, and I see this moon, and 
it's so far away, yet it's so close to our Earth. And out there, I see all these stars are just little dots. And I think it is so majestic, so powerful, but yet this divine nature is what holds it all together. It's greater. It's the ultimate. It's eternal. It is the most ultimate. You know, how do words, how do you put that into words? But yet, all those things we see in space, people talking about going and living in Mars and, oh, great, if we do, that's cool. And, And that's cool that we're even able to do that. But that's nothing combined to the divine nature that Jesus is asking us to partake in. Jesus is asking us to be part of him. Peter is saying that's what we're called because he says in verse 3, as the one who has given all things which are of the divine power. Now, what's this divine power? It's, it's grace. That's what grace is. I was talking with a family member today who told me that, you know, we just have to work as hard as we can and be as good as we can, and God's grace will cover the rest of it. And so I said jokingly, well, so I guess some people are going to need a lot of God and some people are going to need a little bit of God. And this person's response was, yeah, that sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> I just kind of shook my head like, okay, if that's what your idea of God is and what grace is all about. But grace is this divine power. Let me read that verse again. As the one who has given all things which are of the divine power with the life and awesomeness of God by his teaching, by his teaching, the ways of Christ. That's why we call this podcast Simply Christ, and we start off with making Jesus our master and learning to explore the spiritual realm, living that spiritual life. That's why we do this, because Jesus Christ is our master. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to follow his teaching, his teaching, his teaching, his example, his life, and everything in the New Testament that is written in Acts on forward is to point us to being like Christ because that's where the divine power is. And we do that through his teaching. He's teaching us to do this. And again, let me continuing here with this verse, who has called us into his glory and majesty. So God is calling us into his glory and majesty. He's not saying, okay, you're good little boys and girls, so you go stand over here. You can't be around me. No, he's calling us into this glory, into this majesty, to partake in it. It, it's as if, you know, you have this big cloud and God is asking us to walk into this cloud and be part of it. He wants us to be part of it, to partake in it, to be sharers in that nature with him. Verse 4, who has granted you by these great and precious, precious declarations to be sharers of the divine nature. So God is asking us to partake in his majesty, his divine nature. So what does that look like? That means that when we partake in his divine nature, we are in the process of developing fruit. We develop the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, love, patience, perseverance, faith, kindness, gentleness, self-control. When we develop these things, we are now developing the attributes of God himself. And the more we do that, the more we become godlike. Now, don't take my word from it and say, oh, we're, we're all gods. Okay, no, not, not into the New Age move, movement type thing. But we are called to 
partake and share in his divine nature. So if you're going to ask somebody to partake in your nature, you are asking them to be like you, correct? I mean, that's just common sense. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you say to somebody, I want you to be like or, or partake in my nature, but I don't want you to be like me and don't call yourself. It, it, we, get so, we get so worked up about things that don't, that don't even make any sense when we really start to dissect them and, you know, take them apart and looking as to what they really mean. We're so fearful of saying something that is going to be wrong. But here it is in black and white. I'm reading on my, on my Bible here. Declarations or uh, precious declarations to be shares of the divine nature. To take on the attributes of God. I, I look at my life and it's like, well, I'm, I'm not taking the attributes of God like I should. But that's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to, to take part in his nature, to develop the attributes I mean, what an invitation that is. Do you see? And I hope you understand now why I find this extremely important to talk about the spiritual realm because that's what this is. This is not a part of Christianity. It is Christianity. It is what this is about. Christianity is about being a partaker or sharing in the divine nature of God. That's what discipleship is, to share in the divine nature of God. Yet, do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first of all, there comes with a condition because right after that it says, when you flee from the corruption of the desires which are in the world. So, read that verse 4. Who has granted you by these great and precious declarations to be sharers of the divine nature when you flee from the corruption of the desires which are in the world? Ah, so there's a condition with it, isn't there? This condition is, is you can't just say, I want to be like God, but then you live like the devil's your best friend. We can't say that. Well, I believe in Jesus. It's all good. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't fly like that. That's not how these, this is not how this works. This is not how this operates. We do this when we flee from the corruption of the desires which are in the world. Now, that's a difficult thing to do, to fly, to, to leave this, this, these corruptions, because we're always in this state of fighting it, aren't we? Aren't you and I always looking for ways to, to stop doing the things that we do? But how do we do it? Do we try to just be better? Do we work hard at being better? I know I'm going to pray more. I'm going to say my prayers more. That's a good thing. Don't misunderstand me, but does that help us become more spiritual? Does it, does it help us to escape these corruptions? I know many people pray all the time, but they've yet to escape any of the corruptions. Ah, but we do have an answer. Here's how. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. Yet I say, be walking in the spirit and the lusts of the flesh you will not ever perform. There you go. Listen to that. You want to escape the desires of the sinful nature? This is how you do it. Walk in the Spirit. I didn't say walk by morality. No, no, no. A lot of moral people out there who aren't walking in the Spirit. Because you see, when you walk in the Spirit, you don't have to worry about morality. All you have to do is just 
live in the spirit and produce fruit. And by your very nature of being a spiritual person, you will produce these fruit. The book of Galatians was written by Paul to the Galatian church because the Galatian church was living the spiritual lifestyle. And then the Judaizers came in and the lawmakers. Now, the Judaizers had two – there's really different parts of the law, but the law was basically two areas. The ceremonial law that you had, and one of the things that they were pushing on the Galatian church was circumcision. But another thing they were pushing is the moral law. That's what the, you hear the law. When you see the law that's mentioned in the, in the New Testament, much of the time, most of the time, he's talking about a moral law. And so Paul has to write a letter to the Galatian church and say, guys, stop for a second. Listen to me. You do not live by the law. You do not live by a moral law because what the, what the church was facing, as churches do today, is that believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and when you do that, try to be a good moral person and follow these laws, the Ten Commandments and so forth and all. But Paul and Jesus, I think, of course, Paul says, no, you don't do that. Because if you go back up here a couple of verses, he's, he says in uh, – let's, let's look at this word. Let's look in here in verse, uh, verse 13. But he who is calling you into freedom, my brothers – only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but rather in love be serving one another. For all the law in one word is fulfilled in this, that you should love your neighbor as your own soul. But if you are abiding and accusing one another, be watchful lest you destroy one another. Yet I say, be walking in the spirit and the lust of the flesh you will not ever perform. Now, the next verse. For the flesh desires the things that is harmful to the spirit, and the spirit desires the thing that is harmful to the flesh. And the two are opposite of each other, so that you are not doing the thing which you are desiring. Now, Paul talks about this in Romans as well, because Paul is going back and forth with the difficulties in his life. And he says, I do the things I don't want to do, and I wind up not doing the things I need to do. And he says, where am I going to be with this? He fights this. He's, and then he goes on in chapter 8. He says, ah, but the mind that is controlled by the spirit is not controlled by the law and so forth. He goes on and discusses that in, in Romans chapter 8. We struggle with these things. We, it, we overcome by persevering, by continuing to go on. Because in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So we're not under a law. We're not under trying to live a moral code. That's why it's – I heard this said to a, by a friend of mine one time, and I don't know where he got it from. I know he got it from somebody else, and I think he got it from a well-known teacher. But his whole idea that he was getting to, to uh, people in, his, in, in our home study group was relax, release, and receive. Just relax. Release it all. Surrender it all, and God will give it to you. That, my friends, is the spiritual life. It's not about sitting in church pews and singing songs and making sure there are the doors are open. And I'm not against those things. But I'm against those things if we think that that is what makes us holy in God and makes us more spiritual. It doesn't. It just makes us sitting on a bench in a building most people don't want to be in, singing songs and listening to most preachers who are boring. And I know that because I've been one of those boring preachers before, and I've sat in many boring sermons, and I listen to many people who say, oh my goodness, who's preaching today? But you got to go to church because they got to go to church. 
And it's, that is what we've reduced Christianity to. But Paul says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, for the works of the flesh are known, fornication, impurity, and modesty, the worship of images, witchcraft, hostility, contention, jealousy, anger, rebellion, discord, schisms, or divisions, envy, murder, drunkenness, rebellion, and all those things that are like these, and those who do these, as I spoke unto you previously, so I also now speak, that they are not inheriting the kingdom of God. We could go into what it means to inherit the kingdom of God and all this kind of thing. And we'll talk about that maybe in the other one. But all those lists of things, I know what happens. We have a tendency to go, which one am I doing? Well, I don't do one of those. Oh, wait, it doesn't list mine in there. Uh, doesn't worry. Don't, don't worry. It's, it's in there because it says, and, those, and uh, the, all those things that are like these. So, you know, we fall into that. Don't think we're so good. But see, we try to be, well, I'm not envious. I don't murder. I don't get drunk. I don't, I don't go cause problem. I don't rebel. I don't get angry. I don't cause, I'm, I'm not jealous. I'm not hostile. I don't do witchcraft. So I must be okay. No, we're not. We live by the Spirit. We overcome those. Because of verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, a long-suffering spirit, which is endurance and perseverance, kindness, goodness, and faith, humility, and patience. On these things, no law is placed. Now, why would he say on these things no law is placed? He says that because you don't live by a law. If you're living spiritual, these are the natural outcomes of the spiritual life. You can't have a law to tell you this. A law tells you to do something. A law tells you not to do something. See, we don't need a law to tell us to do something. We do not need a law to tell us to love or to be joyful or to have peace or long-suffering or to be good or be humble or have patience. Why? Because if we live by the Spirit, these things are the natural outflow. You don't have to go to an apple tree and tell that apple tree to bear apples, do you? No, it's going to bear apples. It doesn't get up in the morning, guy, I got to go bear apples. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, I'm tired. I got to bear apples this year. No, it's natural. It's what it does. It's its purpose. An apple tree bears apples. It doesn't have to convince itself to, to bear apples. It doesn't have to go to uh, some type of legal system to tell it to bear apples. It just does because that's what it is. That's the way we should be. People who just do these things because it's in our nature, because the sinful nature doesn't want these, but the spiritual nature of God does produce them. That's what they are. But once we escape the desires of the sinful nature, we can begin participating in the divine nature. And I want to tell you something. It's not difficult to do because if we approach God and listen to God, hear his voice, commune with him, and be with him all the time, you're going to see your life turn around in ways that you never thought possible and in a shorter amount of time that you never thought possible. Old habits will even drop overnight. Some might take a little bit longer, but the more that you're in with Christ listening to him, I'm telling you something. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay, all right? Just keep doing it. You're going to grow leaps and bounds. That's it for this podcast. There's so much more we can talk about. We'll probably continue on these discussions on these because the divine nature, what God is asking us to participate in is what 
brings me great joy to see people who are participating in the divine nature. And I really pray that these podcasts, these messages are are helping you. It's helping somebody. You know, it's I'm not after subscriber character count. Yeah, you always want to look and go, well, is it reaching someone? But if it's reaching one or two people, you know, I'm pretty happy with that because that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus only had <laughs> Jesus start off with a bunch of followers and then all through his ministry he'd lose some. And at the end of his ministry, they all left him. And the only person that was with him was his mom and John as he hung stripped naked, and nailed and beaten to a piece of wood. Okay? So, you know, that, uh, that goes to show it's not about anything but about making sure that people are able to hear and understand the message. All right, God be with you. We'll talk with you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.